Welcome to Miss You, Osiris and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a Teen Drama Fancast, and I am a Caitlin Cooper enthusiast. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the show... Is also a Caitlin Cooper enthusiast. Oh, I don't know, Aaron. They, they definitely made her pick a side that I don't know... Well, what other side would she pick? Well, no, here... You, man, we'll get... This, this episode is going to bring a whole lot out, because... I didn't really like it. <laughs> this episode is like someone had a fever dream, and that fever dream was, I fell asleep watching Veronica Mars, and boy does that handsome young deputy with the eyebrows look like Peter Gallagher. Can we make this a something? <laughs> yeah, this... Th- th- here's the thing about this episode. There's three storylines re- in this episode. And two have flashbacks, two, two and <laughs> one does not. Yep, yep, there's no thematic uh, hmm. linking between that. And also, and also, one of them is kind of pointless another one makes no sense and the other one is just continuing our descent into the the fantasy world that the oc has always been now i have a question for you when the orcs appear next episode do you feel like the reason they didn't do a flashback in that third storyline is because there is not a single flashback you can show show a frank atwood that would make us like him probably yeah that's probably why that's probably a good, yeah. <laughs> good reason yeah. why. Yeah, yeah but no. you could, you could have done an endearing bullet flashback, young bullet wooing a his first wife. Oh boy, it's almost like this show has very skewed and weird <sighs> morals. Whatever it want, I don't know. I I don't I don't know anymore. I don't I don't understand anymore. I we we hope that you've watched this episode, and if you haven't watched it, we'll. Do our best to recap it. I think in my mind, I like... So there is a Gossip Girl flashback episode. Yeah. That flashes back to um, the mom's character. Mm. Is Kelly Ronan the mom in this show or the mom in... Anyway, the <laughs> Gossip Girl and the I just show gave Aaron a blank look. <laughs> both have blonde women who play the moms yes. of main characters. Yes. And um, in Gossip Girl, they do a flashback episode, and I think it has Brittany Snow and um, Kristen. She was on Veronica Mars. She was Don't Hate the Bee. Bell. Nope, not Kristen Bell. Okay. Don't Hate the Bee in Apartment 23. That Kristen. Which is when you start with Veronica Mars. Well, yeah, she played Gia on Veronica Mars. I know, it's just when you start with Veronica Mars, it's like the term Kristen. I was tracking I was tracking her career. Veronica Mars, Don't Hate the Bee in Apartment 23. Jessica Jones. That's okay. the path of her career. But also, brief stopover in Gossip Girl, playing a flashback version of Lily Vanderwood's sister. And that's, like, a fun episode. I think there are, like, hijinks and the Kristen character gets in trouble. And, like, it's a fun, spunky, interesting flashback episode. And I think in my head, I was like, this is also a fun flashback episode. It's not a fun flashback episode. Bad flashback episode with bad flashbacks that don't understand time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really reconceptualizes a lot of things. And they do an atrocious job of casting the young versions of Seth and summer. Oh well, I mean they're kids, but they don't look like their jaws are different. I think summer might be a different ethnicity. <laughs> I don't know, Aaron. They're children. Taylor Townsend has glasses, which we've never seen her wear as an adult. She is con- no. I, she mentioned that she had to do contacts. 
Ah, and I, Remember, I, she hates her contacts. I did she, excuse that because I was like, Taylor Townsend would get LASIK. Well, her mom would make her get LASIK. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I do remember something about being like, she ha- she wears contacts, but her mom makes her wear contacts because she looks like a nerd with glasses on. Which she does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're sort of doing, well, talking around a lot of this episode. There'll be some talking in this about the stuff that the OC is doing. I was horrified by some things, and Kevin was also horrified horrified by some things. And I think they're the same things, but I'm honestly not sure, because sometimes the things you hate surprise me. <laughs> I mean, I we'll get to it. We'll get it. to it. All right, because this is The OC, Season 4, Episode 13, The Case of the Franks. The Case of the Franks. This episode starts on not at all unfamiliar ground. Ryan does not want to celebrate Valentine's Day because every time he does, it's a dumpster fire. No, what I'm I'm going to say is, like, so they sort of treat Ryan as being the unreasonable on the situation. They should want to celebrate Valentine's They should want to do that. But he doesn't put it out very well. But the, what I can see and what I think I kind of on his side about is that they literally just got back together from a whole lot of stuff about where the relationship is. That having a pre-planned out, this is what we're going to do for Valentine's Day, does seem like it would be a, an insane amount of pressure on these people who already sort of know each other and what their thing is. I guess I didn't feel like he was set up as unreasonable because it's Ryan and Valentine's <laughs> Day is a disaster for him every single time. So why would he want to make a big fuss about it? He just wants to hang out with his girlfriend. I, th- I think because, spoiler alert, at the end, they do sort of go off on it. But it's a spontaneous one, which I think works better for them. And they also don't really do anything yeah they just hang out together it's it's very there's a lot of things that go on this episode that really are just setups for other things that they that this seems like the show really wants to do so they sort of like half-ass the setups to get to the point they want to so get basically what we're gonna say is ryan and taylor do not have a storyline this episode no. um because ryan's not the main character of the show anymore no <laughs> it might be taylor <laughs> taylor does a lot this episode so um Taylor, for no reason whatsoever, in a completely unmotivated way, is suspicious because she saw an address written down on a piece of paper in Ryan's boat pool house. And I was really trying, like, I was going back to my brain being like, do we see Ryan get this address? No, this is the first time we've seen this address. It is a new address. Ryan does not know his girlfriend nearly well enough because he leaves, he steps slightly away from her with the address yeah. in plain view and they both know it's there because they have both referred to it and then she steals it she steals it and she goes and it's it's at the mermaid inn because everything's at the mermaid inn i, I kind of wish the address just said the mermaid inn you'll find your way <laughs> just walk into the night it'll be there <laughs> you know everyone's been at the mermaid inn anyway so she goes there and she's going around she goes to the room number 17 yep and uh, it's it's Frank. It's Frank. And Taylor really, <laughs> she's like a Disney prince, or she wants to be a Disney princess this episode. Because she, she sees Frank, she goes, oh, it's you. <laughs> like, what is, what? <laughs> I like how Frank is like, oh, it's you. <laughs> oh, geez, what? But then he sees her and he's like, oh, no, I live in squalor. And he starts cleaning up. Yeah, so apparently Frank called Ryan when he switched <laughs> hotels which clarifies for us 
Frank never left the OC. It, it becomes more clarified later when, when Bullet's like, where'd you go up to Reno? <laughs> no, when Frank did that thing where he got into the car after kissing uh, Julie? Uh, Julie. He just went to a different hotel. He just He never left. He never left. He much, just, <laughs> much like Taylor, he's just been stalking Ryan for days on days. He's just been around. So Frank uh, talked to Taylor about Ryan, and he's like, I'm afraid to make the first move. And Taylor's like, I think Ryan seems sad. Fair. Yeah. So maybe the thing that makes him happier is helping him with his relationship with his dad? Yeah, so Taylor decides, I'll get it. Taylor says the words... What if I get involved? Which is Taylor's unofficial motto for this episode is, what if I get involved? At least this time she's not pretending to be a therapist. <laughs> no, but she is pretending to know everything. So, um, that's gonna happen. Yep. Smash cut to Kirsten looking out the window and having flashbacks of what I wrote down as some blonde guy. Yeah, now it's it's very clear what these are first. I'm like, I the woman has to be Kirsten. Because, why would she be thinking why, about this? Why would she be flashing back to another woman? But like, this guy looks like a ward brother. The guy who plays young Jimmy looks like a ward yeah. brother. Later we'll learn it's young Jimmy. But this is our introduction to the flashbacks. Now, I want to give a brief, uh, my... I, my feelings on the flashbacks. Why are they shot like war movies? This is very, very dramatic. It's misty. It's not misty, but like it's... It's bloomed. It's bloomed. It's high. It's overexposed. I was going to say it's like someone smeared Vaseline oh. on the camera. Also kind of like that, yeah. And, you know, she's look... This Kirsten, young Kirsten mm. with purple eyeliner looking and she's sad and misty. Yeah. And then Jimmy leaves. And um, blonde man leaves. And when we first see this and we see later flashbacks, um, they begin and they're very shaky. They're very, they're very sad. I'm like, okay, it's because they're first remembering the flashbacks and they're, tr- they're tr- like trying to get their memories together. Mm. That's cool. But once we get into actually, like, sustained time in the flashbacks, still, the cameraman swinging that camera around, he's doing backflips and... Until the last one. Until the last one, yes. Um, so, Kirsten is having this weird flashback in the kitchen, and she walks in, and she says she's having a craving, and the craving is her peanut butter mm-hmm. and jam sandwiches, which is a thing that also happened with Seth, and so cute, but now she's not hungry. Sandy does say the phrase, are you having flashbacks to when you were <laughs> pregnant with Seth? Hmm. We learned some stuff about how how apparently they tried after Seth, Seth to, to have, more have, kids. have more kids. Uh, they just... It, did, did, but, it didn't happen. But then they had had Ryan. <laughs> so they had a child and also third parent. Yeah, yeah. It was fine. Yeah. But now, now it's great. Mm-hmm. And Kristen's morning sickness and now does not want her sandwich. Yeah, well, we are, we're going to, this is like, oh God, the third or fourth episode in a row that will just consist of, of Kirsten walking from room to room looking sadly into the middle distance. And Sandy not having a storyline. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy's entire arc for every episode so far has been like, I noticed my wife is being weird, so I'm going to talk to her, and then she doesn't explain to me. Then I talk to her later, and she does explain to me. As if she's stretching out her emotions for the sake of a 42-minute episode. It's like she feels like she needs to fill the time in an episode that doesn't have enough to do. So... Meanwhile, because this is pre-Valentine's Day, Bullet is over oh. talking to his wife. Yes, we do learn that it's Valentine's Day is coming up. So remember, three weeks before Valentine's Day, just weeks been going by. 
Now, remember last episode when Julia was like, I need time to love you. Bullet's like, you're my wife. <laughs> yeah, Bullet, Bullet's thing is that he's just going to keep referring to her as his wife. And you know what? He is peak Bullet in this episode. Yeah. He is one of the least offensive versions of Bullet. He He also, like, okay... Here's the thing. Bullet is definitely like I mean, he's a bull. Yep. <laughs> he's he's a, he's a lot of things, but he does honest like he he has little tiny things he does that he always gets cut off from that for his character type, his character archetype really set him apart cuz his character archetype is rich guy and he, it, this it's sort of played off as a joke, but he he sort of romantically says to her like, "Also, no prenup," and Which I'm like, "Genuinely means yeah, that's a big deal." And I'm like, "That's actually huge for <laughs> for, for like a billionaire yeah, for for a for for the archetype of bullet." I think of Caleb. Yeah. Oh, Caleb yeah. had all kinds of prenups. the archetype of bullet. Like he, he's like, everything about bullet should be Caleb. You know what's interesting. I forgot about Caleb. So I was mm. watching the scene and I was kind of like, oh, he's too old for her, even though I don't think he is. I think yeah. he's maybe 10 years older than Julie. Yeah. But he's just got, and like, you, we see him in this episode wearing like a nice sweater. Yeah. And like, he's in fine shape for a 50 year old man. Like, he's yeah. not, he's yeah. not, you know, no beer belly or anything. But every time I see them together, I'm like, he's too old. <laughs> and I think it's because he's such a dad. He, he's he, such a dad. He is such a dad because Caitlin comes in in, uh, in this scene. Right after he says, I'm down <laughs> to take you to Chinatown. Yeah, so Bullet's very excited to have sex with um <laughs> Julie, finally. He also, he also <laughs> says, bang, sorry, I just love the pun. Which <laughs> is like, very good. It's so, it's weird that you admit it. And for some reason, I like that you admit it. I guess I'm... <laughs> You should not be this endearing of a person considering you. Yeah. But Caitlin comes in and Bullet gets all excited because he and Caitlin are going to play ping pong. Just going to go because he has a ping pong table in his office. So they're going to go to his office, play some ping pong. Julie is shocked that this is like a normal thing. And that Caitlin's excited about it. They like tease each other. She calls Bullet a nerd, which yeah. is like the mildest teasing that Caitlin has ever done. And I thought this what I thought was going to be is like, OK, so what is going to go is we're going to be that Julie's relationship with Bullet will be that she's like, oh, if Caitlyn, like, you know, she, like, she'll she'll learn to like Bullet because Bullet is good with Caitlyn. She's the only real person she's ever been in a relationship with who is good with her children. It's true. Even Jimmy was not good with her children. He t- treated Marissa like a friend. Yeah. And he wildly ignored Caitlyn. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, so you'd think that through... Caitlin's eyes, Julie would see the good in Bullet and realize that you don't have to be sexy and like suave and charismatic. Now, unfortunately, I mean, he is charismatic, y- but y- yeah, unfortunately, the OC will have different ideas and we'll get to those. But time to get to our last storyline, which is the dumbest of storylines. So, uh, Summer's doing her sea otter thing, and then you know what? Let's just they go to a psychic, the psychic. It forces them over. Tell Seth that he'll do great at art school. So the so <laughs> this psychic, let's just be clear, is a real psychic. Yes, she legitimately has psychic powers. Now Seth does mock her psychic powers because she later on when yeah. 
Um, Summer's all freaking out. He's like, whoa, what? She works on a boardwalk and doesn't appear to take payment, so you know she's a good psychic. Be- but but I think she- that's what makes her a good psychic. Yeah, because she's clearly not a charlatan. Like, let's let's talk about shows that do the whole psychic thing, which is they'll introduce a, a character, and they'll do the psychic, and they'll do the normal, the the was it the the not cold reading no they'll do so yeah, cold, reading. cold reading yeah um they'll do the the cold reading thing and they'll just say a bunch of like vague stuff that the characters the main characters of the show will eventually ascribe to their life this psychic just says legitimately the things that are going to happen to summer like like hey something's gonna fall on you you're gonna be on the news You'll, with just with, with just with Justin, with Justin timberlake then you're going going to um find <laughs> you're gonna find your true passion in george yeah yeah and then, and then she also knows exactly who Seth is. Like completely, just says that you're this. You're going to school and in, in these things. And it's never shown. Like she is just a psychic. Psych- she is just a psychic. She appears in this one scene, and never shall she be seen again. This would because be- there's magic in this world. There's now. magic in this world. Remember, or there's at least psychic connections because that's what happened to Taylor and Ryan. That's true. So it's infuriating to me that the show is not committing to the fact that you have just made. You've repeatedly clarified that in the world of the OC, psychic abilities are real. Now, immediately following this psychic moment where Summer insists that she will never love a George, she only Mm. loves Seth, the Ward brothers drop a skateboard on her. (laughs) Nearly on her, where she was standing (laughs) until she walked forward. By accident. They're very apologetic. I don't know how a skateboard got over it, but they were fighting over it. I mean, come on. These are the biggest dupes who have ever doofed. (laughs) I want to ride the skateboard. No, I want to ride the... Oh, it's also definitely it's got to be Caitlyn's skateboard, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Caitlyn was like, hey, boys, entertain yourselves. I'm going to go hang out with my dad. She's the only one we've ever seen with a skateboard. (laughs) Clearly, it's Caitlyn's skateboard. Naturally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, something's going to happen with George. Yeah, and that's going to be the thing. So Ryan is immediately suspicious of Taylor because she insisted they're going out for a nice dinner the day before Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Ryan knows his girlfriend. Yeah. So the plan here, Taylor's big scheme to get Ryan and dad together is to just trick Ryan and be like, let's go to dinner. What? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Frank? What are you doing here? And Ryan's like, oh, Taylor, you know how hard this is. And, just, and she says, don't worry, I'll fill all the awkward silences. Don't worry, you don't have to talk at all. That's definitely how you get people together, is that I'll just keep talking. And you guys will bond over your not talking. <laughs> like, oh, oh, I mean, no. she's not wrong, but... but also, no. <sighs> T- Taylor, you can't take your daddy issues out on Ryan's daddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Summer's, I guess, going off of her whole... <laughs> <laughs> so George thing. She is determined to prove that she and Seth are a meaningful couple. So for Valentine's Day, I actually love this. This is very nineteen year old. Yeah. And also, it said it before that she actually had forgotten about Valentine's Day until this moment. But she, she, you know, she picked up the ball real good. And she makes the most nineteen year old gift ever. She is going to make him a collage of famous couples through the ages. Yes, and she wants to include a picture. Of Sandy and Kirsten. And this will become a theme for the episode. Is this your Sandy Cohen? Or your Jimmy Cooper? Because (laughs) when Kirsten brings out the mystery box of the past. Get a picture of her and Sandy. There are also pictures of her and Jimmy there. Yes. Specifically, there are two. No, there are three pictures of her and Sandy. Or her and and Jimmy. There's at the sweatshirt party. Mm -hmm. There's at prom. Mm -hmm. And there's them kissing. Now... 
she has a perm in this scene and she talks about how, oh yeah, I just got it because Top Gun had just come out. Top Gun came out in 1986, which means that Kirsten, who just turned 40, was 19, which I think is a reasonable age. If you have a February birthday, I think you would be 19 when you graduate. The thing I think about those February and January birthdays is that that sometimes parents will shift when they actually go. Not in the States. So in the the States? States, you turn, like in the States, you are 18 when you start grade 12 oh all right yes so I, I i think this is reasonable but you need to remember top gun came out in 1986 okay so um during this conversation summer asks kirsten if she ever felt like jimmy was the one and kirsten's like i don't know well she does well i mean <laughs> that's not really her response at that moment I mean, her response is to stare into the little distance and have a flashback well her well she does mention that they like you know they planned their life together they went to prom together they had the plan was that he would work for her dad and she would throw fabulous dinner parties which is the opposite of what eventually happened with her and sandy and they even had names for their kids and i was really hoping Spoiler, that's not what it's going to be. I was really hoping we'd eventually learn that the original name she had for her son with Jimmy was going to be George. (laughs) (laughs) Which meant Seth is kind of George. Now, um, during this scene, there is an important reference that Summer looks at the picture of Jimmy and Kirsten at the prom and goes, Oh, Mm. me and Seth have the same picture. Yeah. Sort of. She says sort of because she feels like she looked better than Kirsten. But that becomes a thing. But now wait. During Kirsten's ongoing flashback, she flashes back to the breakup with Jimmy again, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then she flashes to having way better hair and walking on a college campus. The speed at which that perm was dropped. She, like, she had to have gone and got it processed. She says later it was a month beforehand. And we see her arrive at Berkeley in one of the flashbacks, and she has the perm. (laughs) Yes. We cannot talk about this. Yeah. (laughs) She sees Sandy, and Sandy is Max Greenfield. Yes. You may know him as Schmidt. Yeah. From New Girl. But this is pre-Schmidt. Yes. He's so young he, and earnest. But he... Man, Max Greenfield... I just... Doesn't really age. He's He's got one of those... He's like a Peter Gallagher who didn't age until he turned gray. Which means we can expect the same thing from Max Greenfield. But, Funny because uh, Peter Gallagher... Is Max Greenfield's dad <laughs> on New Girl. On New Girl. So... <laughs> Alright. Alright. Good job. Good job. Um. So... Back at the awkward dinner, Frank judges Ryan for not wanting to have Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah, man, they really set up Frank to be a few things throughout this episode that don't seem... Because, you know, Frank has definitely had a Valentine's Day extravaganza in his past. Oh, yeah, he's definitely always been... He's a a real man to woo his wife. Mm -hmm, That's definitely the Frank that we... Have been told about for three years. Now, Taylor realizes, though, that Frank is having feels about Ryan not doing Valentine's Day Mm -hmm. because Frank is in love. Oh, he's very clearly in love. He's so in love that even Ryan can tell. And there's Bullet. And then there's Bullet. And this is where we got the whole thing by like, oh, he apparently quit Bullet, whatever Bullet Bullet was. Bullet Inc. I still can't get Frank and Bullet's relationship. We just have to let it go. 
He said he was going to Reno, but he didn't. And the he bullet did. goes, oh, oh my, my lady is in the bathroom. She's putting on makeup every five minutes, but she looks so good that I just can't. Oh, God, he loves Julie so much. And Julie comes out, yep. and Julie and Frank cannot not stare at each other. Oh, yeah. We sort of make fun that uh, Taylor and Frank figure out that... Uh, Taylor, sorry, Taylor and Ryan figure out that Frank is not with Julie, but they all but stand up and stare at each other while, like, woman in red plays. And even when Bullet, like, leads Julie away, which, this is another Bullet, he, because Julie's like, oh, I'm hungry, and he's like, oh, man, yeah, this girl can eat, but it goes to all the right places. <laughs> it's like, Bullet! Well, I mean, because cause what you would expect it to be, like, a Caleb thing would be, well, don't eat too much because you're going to get fat. And so she's like, he's like, eat all you want. You're always beautiful. <laughs> Julie, do anything. I never judge you. <laughs> <laughs> so Bullet leads Julie away, and Julie stares over her shoulder at, at Frank. Frank. <laughs> I feel like a mariachi band should be playing just that just that little like just guitar tune. Man, they're so obvious that Ryan knows something's going on. Yeah. And this sort of leads into the fact that we're gonna kinda get what Taylor's thing is now gonna be, which is that she's apparently super Frank and Julie. Now Ryan is not so on board because he remembers how Frank treated his mother, and he doesn't think even Julie Cooper deserves that. Yes, and everyone is going to consistently treat Ryan like he's being irrational. And I hate it so much. And like, yes, the show... Well, no, the show has not only shown us charming Frank. Remember when Frank was going to beat up Sandy in his own house because Sandy revealed that Frank was lying about cancer? Sandy didn't reveal that Frank was lying about cancer. He just asked Frank to leave. Yeah. it. Like, Sandy was going to keep his secret. Yes. He, He's a bad dude. He this is, is a bad man. And... And everybody will repeatedly come up to Ryan and be like, you should understand Frank. To go. I'm like, like, you know what? You people have known Frank for, um, for like a couple weeks. Ryan grew up for 15 years. And maybe someday he will forgive him. But you don't get to tell a kid who was, who was just met a backup with his abusive father and be like, hey, you're being irrational. Look how nice of a guy he is right now. The only person I can understand being like, maybe you want to try was when Taylor was like, look, I don't have a dad. If my dad was trying, I would give him a chance. Which was fine in Which that. Which is what Ryan did. Yeah, fine in that episode. In this one, she's a lot. And Julie also. I think for... Taylor, this speaks to Taylor's issue that mm. didn't get resolved last episode. No. Is that if someone is nice, Taylor melts for them. So yeah. Frank has been nice to Taylor and she thinks, oh my God, obviously he's misunderstood. We must save Frank. Which is why I kind of want the poll reveal to be like. <sighs> Like, it's like to say, like, I want Frank not to be redeemed, but sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes people, sometimes they're just a bad person. Well, and the thing is, you know, you could say, like, oh, it was just the alcohol, but it wasn't because we saw what he was doing. He was going to beat up Sandy yeah. in his home. Until Ryan dragged him out. And he was not drinking in that scene. Yeah. So, we, so what they have showed us, what they have showed us with Frank and through the last three seasons of the entire arc of Ryan is that he was an abusive father and he does and like Dawn 
Dawn had to take had to do a much longer ramp up to being eventually kind of forgiven. And even then, like Ryan and Dawn are on shaky ground. But Frank, oh, Frank just rolls up and he's kind of sad and I mean, yes, he did his time. He was in prison. He learned things. He got his GED. He's sober. But, like, also, we've seen him be scary. In we, we He was introduced... As a scary, manipulative <laughs> blackmailer. Yeah, as pseudo-sexually blackmailing. <laughs> you know, he wasn't actually, but he was really putting out those vibes. I mean, Julie does like people who blackmail her, though. Remember when she got really into Lance or whatever his name was? <sighs> right, yeah, Lance... So now Taylor's going to get involved in that relationship. But first, Kirsten has another reminiscing flashback as she looks at the photos. She remembers... Okay, wait. Before wait, we go into the memory... Can we, the one photo? Just the one photo? Yeah, the photo with the babies? <laughs> the photo where it's Jimmy and Julie and and Kirsten and Sandy all holding their babies. And I'm like, so, that's a weird photo. So they used Julie Cooper's actor. Yeah. They used Jimmy Cooper's actor yeah. and put a mustache on him. Mm-hmm. Not young Jimmy, like grown-up Jimmy. Grown-up yeah. Jimmy is in this photo, which means Jimmy aged like 20 years <laughs> in three years. Oh, man, get it. <laughs> I guess either Mary and Julie are getting broken up with Kirsten. really hits it hard. And I didn't catch which Kirsten and which Sandy it was, but I was just like, what? Anyway... So she's reminiscing. She remembers her s- sweatshirt party mm-hmm. where good old Taryn, our one go-to noopsie, yep. <laughs> throws shade at Kirsten for getting into a good college. Just, well, no, because she claims that her dad bought her to get into that college, which I don't think is true from what we know about Kirsten. Especially when she subsequently, we know she subsequently went to Berkeley. Yeah, which means she got into two different colleges. Uh, but that's Taryn. But, you know, um, Jimmy and Kirsten are going to go to the same college. They have mm-hmm. so many plans. You can tell in this scene the Christian is already like, I want so much more than this dumb town. <laughs> Whatever you're saying, I don't... This Newport is dumb, Jimmy. Yeah, no, this is going to work out for me. I, the, the, this, what, what constantly gets me here is that, like... I mean, I guess I forgot that they actually did date before the beginning of the series. But I feel like they always sort of portrayed it as, like... Boy Next Door Who Loved Her? Yeah, not, oh, for a while we were soulmates. Yeah, first love of my life. Because that makes it so much weirder that he lived next door. And, like, for Sandy to have never been weirded out about it. Like, I mean, Sandy's good, but you feel like a surface I'd be like, so you were literally, like, you were planning your entire life with him. And she's like, yeah. Now we just sort of living next door. So we cut from this flashback because Sandy comes in and he asks her what she's doing. And she says, oh, looking at baby's pictures of Seth. And then she leaves, which is a dumb thing to say because, of course, Sandy wants to see the baby pictures of Seth. And, of course, Kirsten left all of the Jimmy pictures on top. And this also seems like it's going to be a thing. It's not because Sandy instantly is understandable. (laughs) I just always think back to that plot line where it's like, oh, my God, is Sandy cheating on Kirsten? Like, Sandy never suspects Kirsten of anything. Even when Kirsten almost did cheat on him. Yeah. He's repeatedly (laughs) been like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, this is normal. This is great. My wife's (laughs) acting weird. (laughs) (sighs) So, um... We have a quick Ryan and Seth catch-em-up. The only one we'll have this episode. Mm -hmm. And during this catch-em-up, we actually get new information. Yes. Seth has decided to also do a sentimental, spoopy um, 
Valentine's Day gift. Yep. He has that poem. You know that poem he talked about in season one. Yeah. About how Summer wanted to be a mermaid, and that's when he knew he loved her. Yeah, the mermaid poem. So he stole the mermaid poem from the garbage can, and he's going to frame it and give it to Summer, and it's oh so cute. We also get a flashback. Once again, it's shot terribly. I won't dwell on that anymore, but we get a flashback of the actual reading of the poem. And there is a moment where baby Seth talks to baby Luke and he's excited about the Matrix. And I don't know, oh, baby Seth, you're not beaten down by life yet. (laughs) Also, I'm like, oh, I guess you haven't interacted with Luke that much yet. Also, I thought the poems happened when they were like seven. They look like what? The Matrix came out when I was 11. The Matrix came out in 2000. Yeah. I mean, no, this was 1998. It was 1998. Okay. Well, sorry, I mean, Matrix came out in 1999, but this was 1998. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we see the poem scene. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's and a poem. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's their children. <laughs> the ch- children. It's a, it is literally their assignment was to write. A poem. A, well, <laughs> their assignment was to, uh, assuming this was a really good poem, which as we'll learn later, you have to assume it's a really good poem. Um. The assignment was to write two rhyming lines. <laughs> <laughs> two lines that rhymed with each other. That's the extent of the assignment. But we see Seth falling in love with uh, Summer at that moment. And then when they flash back, Ryan is like, I'm, I gotta work, dude. <laughs> so he, at one point he asks, how long is this flashback going to take? Because <laughs> I gotta go back to work. <laughs> So I initially wrote down, Taylor visits Julie at home. And then I remember that Taylor and Julie live in the same home. Well, she does a visit Julie at home, at their home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she talks to her in the kitchen. And, and she it's taunts her a lot. <laughs> Basically, she taunts Julie about the fact that one day Bullet will get old. And they will still have to have sex. Which seems really... Shamey on Taylor's part? No, I mean this is Taylor being like, "What will get to Julie?" I, guess, I know yeah. how Julie Taylor works. Taylor, this is for this is for Julie. This, this is, is for Julie. Entirely for Julie. And we do know Julie is not sexually attracted to the bullet. Mm-hmm. She likes his heart, or she likes that her daughter likes his heart. Hard to say. It's hard to say. Um, but she uh, apparently, according to Taylor, has a case of the Franks. Julie says, "Yes, I do." And Taylor says, well, Julie, you need, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. you need to lean into your Franks. You need to recognize that you're no longer the woman who marries for money. You're more than that. And then she says that Ryan is worried about Julie, <laughs> which does I mean, something. I mean, well, yeah, I, I guess, well, because Julie says, uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't even do that to Ryan. I put him through way too, like, I, like, I can't have Ryan being my stepson. It, <laughs> It's too much. <laughs> like, she makes it really seem like, oh, I can't put Ryan through that. But I really think she's like, I can't be the person who, like, now my stepson is the kid who I tried to get put away for murder. Also, the kid I tried to make into a murderer. Yeah, I've done a lot. <laughs> that means that that kid should not be my kid. <laughs> he could have been my son-in-law, but not my stepson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not that. That's, that's too close a relationship. Um, yeah, yeah. And Taylor basically wins over by being like, no, Ryan cares about you. He thinks you're a good one. It really seems like they are trying to push that point of like, Julie, you aren't the person who marries for money. Money, Like, you're an independent person. Like, you, people have said that before, but she didn't act on it before. So why are you saying like this was her plot line? I guess to be fair, she didn't marry Neil for money. 
Well, no, no, and and I, I think what it, it what it more so, is that like they're really setting up this idea of you can be an independent person now, which is kind of half what they were doing with the prostitution line. But like they also did when she just didn't marry Neil. Like the storyline is done; it's dead. Yeah, and they're really acting like. They're acting like she had the arc, like she had the I have found I'm an independent person arc, but she didn't have that arc. They they kind of gave up on it because they didn't have her push back with the whole prostitution thing. Basically, they had her be like, I'm too sad to marry Neil. And then I don't know how to stop being a madam. So I guess I'll just keep being a madam. <laughs> and now they're like, and now you've grown. <laughs> like, what? I mean, Julie <laughs> continues to be acted upon. <laughs> which it, which means you've grown. That's your arc. Flowers are acted upon. Eventually, they become flowers. I guess in the past, Julie took action, and now she's acted upon. Yeah, that's her arc. Her arc is that she's become a worse character. <sighs> so, um, Summer is horrified, for she is on the news about <laughs> sea otters. And meanwhile... <laughs> Justin Timberlake is coming to play at the bait shop. And they kind of hang a lantern on that, being like, how did such a small space uh, land such a big artist? Well, we're going to tell you right after this turns off. <laughs> I mean, I miss when the bait shop was a set. Yeah, I, it's funny that they decide, like, we have to mention the bait shop, but, you know... We also have to mention that why would he be at the bait shop? The bait shop is primarily like Ben Folds Five. <laughs> it's JT's Modest... acoustic set. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's actually doing um uh like retro things back to like just doing solo in sync songs acoustically. <laughs> he's got a guitar and he's just gonna sing bye bye bye. That sounds amazing, and I want it so bad. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad. I'm just saying it's no. But like it current listener Justin Timberlake, we know you listen to our small you, niche podcast. If, if you do an acoustic tour <laughs> of you singing NSYNC songs, get the rights from the rest of them. And you do it alone. It's just you, but we maybe need... Joey Fatone could be there. Yeah, we like Joey Fatone. Yeah, but like we need backstage passes because this was our idea. <laughs> yeah, if it happens, we need the credit. What happens? We're the ones who did it. Uh, <laughs> then Seth gives her the mermaid poem. Oh my god, reveal! Set, now it's time for Summer's flashback. This is Summer's version of the poem mm-hmm. day, yeah. where she sings... <laughs> she sings and dances Spice Girls in front of Holly. And then Holly tells her that she's such a scary Spice. You are... No, what Holly says is, you are scary Spice! <laughs> like, they had a conversation beforehand where Summer said, no, 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 I'm definitely scary Spice. I'll come in tomorrow and show you when I dance. Now, I don't know if that's the Spice Girl I would have picked for Summer to pick for herself. I don't know. I guess she... Want, I guess she... I, I need to think about this more. Yeah, I might need to write, voice. like, a thesis paper about it. Anyway, Summer was too busy learning how to sing Wannabe that she forgot that she was supposed to write a poem. She was supposed to write two lines that rhymed with each other. Which Taylor, baby Taylor, very explicitly tells her. And Taylor... My god, the amount of lines they give to young Taylor to explain why Taylor knows that Summer should be <laughs> doing, doing the, the poem. Is this whole thing where it's like, well, what it has we're all going up by our last names and I and uh, I already wrote my poem even though I'm T cuz we did S yesterday, so I'm going to go up through and it's just way too much when it could just be like your name was on the board yesterday. <laughs> But they're trying to make it wordy Taylor. Taylor over explaining things. I I guess. Anyway, Summer forgot to write the poem. Also, who do, what do you what do you mean you do I guess one person reads each day by last name is the idea. 
I guess so. Or all the R's read on one day. That costs the- there. That costs twenty twenty kids in it. There could be two R's. <laughs> um, Summer steals Taylor's poem. Well, I mean, she asked Taylor. Yeah, she does. She, she does steal it, but she does it by being like, "Hey, Taylor, give me your poem," and instead, I will <laughs> invite you to my birthday party, which is all Taylor wants. It's mm-hmm. all Taylor ever wanted. So this leads to this whole thing where Summer's like, her mythology is a scam. We're not meant to be. And then Seth is like, I'm supposed to be with Taylor? Is that what we're saying? I just wanted one more scene between Seth and and Taylor. Where Seth is like talking to her and like trying to figure out what their connection is. No, we need another episode where he does the Che thing except for it's a Taylor (laughs) instead. That would have been so much better. (laughs) They could have had so many hijinks. They would have ended with them like... On a sailboat yeah. in well, the middle of nowhere. The the, the the parallels are so amazing because you have the exact same scene where he's talking to Ryan and Ryan goes like, well, I mean, he's a soulmate. You should go and talk to them. <laughs> Ryan thinking he's talking about Summer. <laughs> and Ryan says like, you're sure? You're, you're absolutely correct about this. Oh my god, they could have lined it up so both of those storylines happened in the same episode. And it was like Seth trying to figure out his soulmateness with Taylor, and then Che trying to figure it out with Seth, and it's just like a there, comedy of there errors. There are so many plot like plots in the in the this season where if they shifted them like one episode, I'm like then you would have thematically matched. And then Taylor wouldn't have had to have that dumb episode where she was a stalker in a gopher costume. Mm, yes. Mm. Yes. Anyway, so Summer's like well, uh, you know, then this means we can't be together. Fate. Right? Now, obviously, Seth, you need now need to say that you're wrong, right? Seth, you'll say we're wrong. I'm wrong, right? And Seth's like, oh my god, Taylor's my soulmate. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin, what'd you learn this week? I looked up. Gophers and groundhogs. Because we think they're the same thing. Well, we knew they were different, but what I figured out, uh, we just said the name, we're interchanging names. Yeah. What I found out is that actually, apparently, a lot of people do confuse gophers and groundhogs. Even really? though they are. Considering the fact that I found an article on Mental Floss that said, what's the difference between gophers and groundhogs? But Enough people ask about it, I guess. Aren't gophers tiny with fluffy tails, kind of like ground squirrels? No, opposite. Um, gophers have hairless tails. Ew. Gopher... So, <laughs> I don't like that so at all. Both gophers and groundhogs are po- bo- po- part of the order uh, Rodentia, so they're rodents. Yes. So gophers and groundhogs are all rodents. Same with beavers. Beavers are also rodents. Um, however, groundhogs are marmots. Mm, uh, they're, they're, I know what a marmot is. Yeah. So, groundhog is, is one of the kinds of uh, marmots. Now, here's why I kind of want to bring this up. Groundhogs are mm-hmm. also known as... Woodchucks, chucks, woodshock, ground pigs, whistle pig, whistler, thickwood badger, canda marmot, monax, monac, wee snuck, red monk, and among French Canadians in East Canada, siffleur. Wait, groundhogs <laughs> are woodchucks? Groundhogs are woodchucks. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a yeah. woodchuck could chuck wood? Now that comes from because actually the um, Algonquin uh, name for them was woochack. There's nothing to do with wood or chucking. <laughs> that just speaks about how dumb white people are. We just heard the name Woochack and we're Woochack and we're like Woochuck. Yeah, how much wood could a Woochuck chuck? And they're like, No, what? What? What are you saying? <laughs> what? what? Why did you come up with a tongue twister? Ground. Okay. Yeah, I thought they had so many. And me, all gophers are just called gophers. 
the occasion called pocket gophers. Cute. Because they're true gophers. I have a question for you. Yes. Is an otter a rodent? An otter is an otter a rodent. I don't think an otter... I know an otter is... Is it a sea rodent? <laughs> I'm <laughs> almost sure it's not a rodent. <laughs> but why does it look so much like a groundhog? Well, I mean... Or is Chase just dumb? He's a white man. I mean, we know Chase is dumb. No, it's, it's part of the carnivora family. What else is in the carnivora family? Oh, man. <laughs> now okay. this is an animal podcast. Um, oh, uh, well... I mean, just carnivores, really. So here, wait, an otter is a carnivore? Yeah, you didn't know otters are carnivores. They, <laughs> but they're so cute and they hold hands when they swim. Yeah, and they crack open things on their bellies. Ooh. Um. So a carnivore. Now keep in mind, carnivora is is order. Like, <laughs> the, it's it's mammals, and then below that is carnivora. So we're still pretty high up the line because that also includes things such as bears and hyenas. I went on a hike and I didn't see a bear. But okay. I did see some cows. It's disappointing. Did you tell me a story where you didn't see something? Yeah, I went on a hike and I didn't see any bears, but I did see some cows. That's the worst story I've ever heard. <laughs> the cows lived in the forest. No, I don't care about the cows. You just, you told me, a, I said, <laughs> I said the word bear and your response to that was, I went on a hike and I didn't see a bear. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Kevin, my only goal in life is to see a bear in well, my life. Well, but the, I mean, that's a that's a better lead into a story than if somebody was was like, "Oh man, there's a dog over there." And someone's like, "Hey, I went to the park and I didn't see a dog." Yeah. <laughs> okay. The background of the story is I spend so much time in the mountains and I've never seen a bear, not even from a distance. And I still have never seen a bear. Where well, someday you'll see a bear. They're in the same family as Otters. Animal cast. Julie Cooper Nichols comes to visit Ryan at work. Yeah, she she explains to him that um, she has seen her fair share of bad, bad guys, and Frank isn't one of them. And what Ryan should say is, cool, when he broke two of my ribs, he definitely didn't seem like a bad guy. I, this is where I was absolutely done with all these people who had who had known Frank for about three weeks and were telling Ryan, his son, who Frank is. But instead, this conversation with Julie makes Ryan get... Maybe Ryan is just so infuriated by Julie's nosiness that Ryan's <laughs> like, fine, you know what? Let's set, let's set her up with my dad. Let's do it. I don't even know why Julie went to... Like, it sounds like she's doing this so she could get Ryan's permission, but then later she acts like... She didn't want she, Frank anyway. She never did it. Like She acts like she did this in a fugue state. So she, Taylor and Ryan make a plan over the phone to get rid of Bullet and make a romantic Valentine's Day night. It's wildly cruel. And then Kurt, Caitlin overhears this and is like... Why are you taking away my dad? Yeah. Now, those are the feelings Caitlin has. Unfortunately, they really seems like they're trying to set her up as like, oh, yeah, sh- look look at this person standing in the way of true love. So, Aaron, for this episode, I'm on Team Caitlin. Absolutely. But the show doesn't seem to want us to be... They make her super aggressive in this scene. Now, this is Caitlin. It is war. Her team always wins. Yeah. Caitlin follows this up by I... making a team bullet... Team Bullet t-shirt. Yeah. Which is very good. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Here's the thing. I'm also Team Bullet. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Julie seemed to actually like him just fine. 
like last episode, she seemed to like him, and now this episode, it's like she's like. They they, they they they're gonna put up this thing this entire thing where it's like oh she doesn't love him she's just doing it for kin oh or oh she's just marrying him for his money or these things i'm like you you show show you have showed us julie actually having fun with bull and yes he did come off super as super aggressive at the like at the beginning and throughout all that but he has worked really hard and from what we understand he's actively changed himself for her before he went to dubai yeah they went on dates. Yeah, they were dating. And then so, he was out of her view for a short amount of time. One month. One month is one month too long. And we're not saying that, like, obviously Bullet is a flawless man that she should end up with. But Wait, what the show has shown us... What <laughs> it would be nice, actually, is to see Julie with, like, a bit of a doofy, nice, not the most handsome, although he looks fine for a 50 year old man like it would be nice to see julie not getting caught up in appearances and all that nonsense yeah the the thing the thing to keep in mind is that just because she is being shallow for looks other than for money does not mean she's not being shallow (sighs) you know what we never would have imagined four episodes ago that we'd be team bullet (laughs) but four episodes ago as soon as bullet appeared as soon as bullet walked out and said hey call me bullet i never thought i'd be like you deserve everything you have (laughs) You know what? Bullet is too good for Julie Cooper. <laughs> I want him and Caitlin to just ride off into the sunset. Ever- and, like, he adopts her, and then she creates, like, a global monopoly. Well, I don't know, man. Man, we'll get back to that. Anyway, so... Caitlin is going to uh, going to start a war, I guess. <laughs> for but Bullet. Ta- but Taylor, for some reason, is really committed to Julie and Frank. Two so- people she cares about? <laughs> Frank, who she met twice... And Julie, who I guess she lives with. Yes, but I mean... So for reasons unknown, on Valentine's Day, Kirsten wakes Seth up with breakfast in bed, which seems to be something she has never done before. But now that she's pregnant... She says she's feeling reminiscent or something. I don't know. Once again, she's doing this to set up for something else. It makes no sense why. So then we have a rare Seth and Kirsten catch him up. Yeah, so Kirsten and Seth are talking about the whole, like... Oh, the mer- the the mythology, me, the the me and summer thing, the legend is not true. And Kirsten's like, "Okay, you've dated her for like nine thousand years. Maybe focus on your actual relationship. She's your Sandy Cohen, dum dum." Yeah, what she says is stop focusing on the mythology of summer and start focusing on the actual summer you've been dating for all these times and all those those things that you did there, which is very. Very good co- advice. And I had to take a moment there. Where I'm like, do we, do we do the storyline? Do we do the whole like Seth mythologize summer, and he couldn't accept the summer in front of him? It feels like something I think we've, we've done. Done a variation on this in like season two. It feels like something we've done. It's weird to take this storyline that felt very summer heavy and it really pushes into Seth real fast. Now, um, for some reason, this storyline segues to. Why did Kirsten and Jimmy break up anyway? Yeah, Seth doesn't know how to read the room. <laughs> so Kirsten has a flashback. Yes. Uh, Jimmy and her are meeting at... This is the breakup that we saw before. Yeah, they're at the diner. He was working an internship at the Newport Group. Unpaid, because Caleb's trash. But it is the summer before college. Yeah. And Kirsten just can't. She can't even. This is not the future she's imagining for herself. She's going to go to Berkeley. Yeah. And Jimmy, she just can't because her emotions. Yeah. She got, she. What she says is she got scared of the plan, essentially. Yeah. 
What the truth is, <laughs> is that Kirsten goes to the women's planning Newport Women's Clinic and she gets an abortion. Now, once again, they'll never really say it, but now, it's very obvious. I hope you remember because I don't. I could not remember if this was a reveal that she actually had the abortion. Because when she was telling Teresa about abortions, yeah. did she say that she had one? Or did she say that she thought about one? So is this a reveal? I don't remember. I, I, I can't remember either. What's... Yeah, I can't... I cannot remember if this was a thing or not. Or if when she was talking to... I don't know. I, I, I cannot remember that far back. Like, because I know she talked to Teresa about yeah. abortion. Like, about abortion, just generally. Yeah. And I can't remember if she said that she had one or that she had a scare. I don't so, think... I don't think she did say she had one because I feel like we would have talked about it at that time because we would try to figure out maybe we did oh the, the, it's doing the so river it's doing ago. the riverdale thing where it's making me doubt my own memory i know i really spiraled where i was like <laughs> is this a retcon is this a reveal like what is this you want to know what i thought and i was and i was real worried about this for a while that they were going to do a, a an 11th hour play on on the oc and reveal that Seth was Jimmy's son. There is no way that Seth Cohen is related well, to Jimmy well, Cooper. Well, I mean, Aaron, I agree. Other than the lack of chill. I agree. It would have been incredibly not <laughs> not likely, but... Can you imagine how badly my head would have exploded because of the ages? Mm-hmm. The ages. The ages. <laughs> well, that's not what happened. No, no. And we're not going to dwell on this. We're going to cut to Summer angsting with pancakes. She's visited by a random dude. Who's letting him in? Her housekeeper. Oh, right. We've met her before. I know. I'm astonished that she still exists because Neil doesn't live there anymore. This is the first time we've seen... I mean, there's there's five people that live... I guess, no, Shay's not there anymore. There's four people who live in that house. four people live in that house. (laughs) And Neil is still paying for a housekeeper. Yeah, so... She lets some, lets some man in, and Summer's like, George? And he says, hello, I'm Paul, from George. It's an acronym, and I'm not going to say what the acronym is. Really, it's a backronym. It is, they figured out how to fit, like, environmental stuff into the term George. So this is environmentalism at its finest, and they want to offer Summer a job, because yeah. she was on the news and loves sea otters. Yeah, I mean... Okay. I mean, she did get kicked out of Brown for <laughs> activism and just, the environment. I just love the idea that she's been really doing activism for a week. Mm. <laughs> she's been doing it for a week. But here's the thing. She's pretty and she's rich. Mm. So she is the ideal activist. I, I do, but that's why they're like, that's, that is a very rich very young girl. Very pretty girl. Because we'll learn what her job is to be. is literally just to go to colleges and talk to people. About the environment. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Caitlin comes very clean with Bullet right away. Yeah. There's a competition. He needs to win. And Bullet responds with, well, I mean, if Julie doesn't want to marry me, I just want her to be happy. Yeah. He gets cut off. But what he says is, I just want Julie to be happy. And if I'm not the man for that, then then Caitlin goes, no. And I'm like, hold on a second. That that right. (laughs) Every every single chance that this show has to make Bullet even a, like... But I mean, they do take it with his with his like bigotry. But he does, you know, he does think like, "Oh, I want her to be happy, but I can win over that Philly." I do like when um <laughs> when she's trying to figure out like what trying to figure out what a bullet can do because he's gonna get like, like emerald earrings. Then it's like the thing I was on the box, and he's like, "I'll put her on a a, a hot air balloon." 
Hot air. He says hot air balloon twice. And, <laughs> and then, then he says blimp. All he can think. All he can think of <laughs> is put her in a... I'll go in a balloon with her. And Caitlin also apparently can't get that out of her head because she looks outside and goes, Oh, no, wait. Not, not a blimp. A plane. Wait, is, is one of those yours? Wait, hold on. Do you have a blimp? <laughs> <laughs> no, Bullet definitely has a blimp, but he also has two planes. Yes. And that's going to be the plan. And as is explained... By Taylor, oh, well, Bullet's going to play the money card. So Frank's going to play the emotion card. They really, God, they really are setting this up like it's Julia deciding between, oh, wealth and love. But Bullet also (laughs) can play the emotion card. And Frank is Ryan's dad and and can't talk about his emotions. And not, and only that, from what the show has shown us, there's no chemistry between Frank and... And and Julie, that seems anything beyond, like, physical fling. Even he, when Taylor asks him what he likes, he says that she's amazing and pretty. Oh, yeah, and and they're, they say, they, they do this thing where they're like, oh, it's like an Atwood, he can't say his feelings. Like, no, it's not because he can't say his feelings, it's because he doesn't know her. But he reveals that he, okay, Frank likes Julie because she's rich, but they're from the same world. That's what it is. He yes. likes that she's someone from a poor trailer park. Yep. Who has made good? They portray it. They portray it as a as a nice thing, but that is the reason that he likes. Like, oh, because we're both the outsiders in this place. So we're not going to talk about this. Instead, we're going to have a short scene where Kirsten was not very hungry on Valentine's Day because she's pregnant and also sad. And Sandy's like, "You want to talk about it?" And she says, "At home." Yep, that's the entire scene. I don't know why they shot this at the arches. It's almost like they had a pad out. The there are no other scenes that happen at the arches. <laughs> So, um, Kate, Julie's arriving for her, di- oh, hijinks. Julie yeah. arrives for her date with Bullet, but then Caitlin intervenes, and a limo's gonna take Julie to be with Bullet, but and then, then Ryan, Ryan shows up. He's like, be with my dad instead. Ju- Julie is so passive. <laughs> and then the limo is there, and Julie gets in the limo, but it turns out the limo's not the limo, it's no, Taylor in a different Julie, limo. Taylor, and clearly that's gonna, well, I mean, they do know that all Julie needs is for someone to be in front of her. And uh, Taylor does decide to do a New York accent and slightly deepen her voice, which is quite yeah, funny. Yeah. What also is quite funny is that Ryan really tries to be tough at Caitlyn. And Caitlyn's like, I'm just going to get in the real limo and follow them. Well, I mean, oh, when also, she cries. Yeah, like, because Ryan's, Ryan's like, like yeah, oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, why would you say that? I'm 15. And, and Ryan's, Ryan's really like, like so oh sorry. my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then Caitlin's like, hey. I thought, I thought we were doing a thing. I, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> then Caitlin jumps in a limo to follow them. Then Ryan follows, in the, follows in the Jeep. Hijinks. Oh, he does say that's a war bitch to Caitlin, though. Yeah, because that's what really Caitlin said. Well, my favorite thing is that Ryan wasn't there for that, which means Taylor told Ryan. He's like, do you know what Caitlin said to me? She told me it's war, bitch. And, and Ryan's like, yeah, people here do that. People, people, Taylor, you've lived here for your entire life. Haven't you people heard people say bitch the, for no reason? The first time I, the, the first day I was here, somebody told me, welcome to the OC, bitch. It's just a thing. People do. When I go to the Dairy Queen, they're like, enjoy your blizzard, bitch. Like, Taylor's like, what? <laughs> I never went to Dairy Queen, huh? Okay. So uh, at the end of this follow brigade, Frank, I guess, found a hot dog stand that was already aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> I guess so. Like, I don't think he did anything. No, no. But he has hot dogs for her. And he has, and he gives her a, uh, 
a, a promise he, ring. He calls it a promise ring. Like now, he's 17? Yeah, like, it sounds like what he did is he's like, I still want to give her the engagement ring. But I you, can't say marry you, me because Bullet did that. Yeah, either that or the showrunners were, were like, ooh, we actually don't want Frank to propose to her. Just so, dial it back. I guess we'll just dial it back. And he just wanted to give her a promise Because he's a 17-year-old high school student. You know, like a Jonas brother. So he says that this date will be a celebration of where they came from and where they're going, yeah. which is poor. <laughs> and Poor. I guess so. I don't know. Um, he says, like, I may not have money, but I love you. The real you. And I'm like, Bullet loves the real... You're... Bullet has very explicitly said that he loves everything about Julie. She can do anything she wants. And then Julie's only rebuttal, co- rebuttal to, this. to this. And I guess and I guess the thing the show wants us to realize is the real difference between Frank and Bullet is that she has to be with Bullet because Caitlin loves Bullet even she, if she doesn't. And she's got one daughter left, so I guess she should be a mother to her at some point. But but here's the thing. That doesn't clarify why she would love Frank. Yeah, what does he have going for all, Oh, you know what he has going for him? Hair. All, all, all they do repeatedly in this entire arc is be like, oh, she doesn't love Bullet. She doesn't love Bullet. I'm like, cool. Who cares about Frank? What has Frank ever done other than be a weirdo to her? <laughs> blackmailed her he was was introduced lying about himself blackmailing her so she could give him information on on his son who was just sort of stalking and then he was like hey i'm leaving i'm leaving now so you being my best friend and benefactor's like girlfriend i'm going to kiss you un like and then er- I'm just not going to leave. I'm just going to be, I'm going to pull a Winston Bishop and I'm going to be here. Like is, we talked about last episode. Frank has repeatedly always done, like unlike Bullet, who's repeatedly always done good things. Every chance Frank has to do something bad and weird, he, he does, does it. it. He he was almost going to be up Sandy. He kisses his um his benefactor and friend. And he treats Bullet his as a friend. His best friend. His, his best friend's, like, girlfriend. And now he's trying to steal his best friend's girlfriend from his friend on Valentine's Day. And also, he just stalked his son for three weeks. He repeatedly only does bad things. And then the show goes, no, but he's he loves her and he does it for love. I'm like, yeah, but he's trash. So, <sighs> here's a palate cleanser. Except... They put dates in. So the show does something good because they they spent so much time being like, oh, I can't talk. I can't talk to you. We actually skip over the talk, which I think is actually very smart editing. If we know what the conversation is, we don't really need to see the conversation. So Sandy asks Kirsten why she never told him. And she says, well, because I met you a month later. And then, like, I didn't really think about it until I couldn't get pregnant after Seth. It seems weird to me that her, like, she has this all flashback stuff because she's having the second baby. But she didn't have the flashbacks. She with didn't her. have. Yeah, it, I, it, I agree. Yeah, we just have to be like, the sh- okay, you know what? The show's doing a little bit of retconning because I do not believe this was their initial process. But it's fine. Yeah. Um. So she says, you know, it was a month later and I was, I didn't know how to deal with it. But then the best thing ever happened. And we see Kirsten and Sandy meeting for the first time. And Max Greenfield does a really good young Sandy. He's very earnest, very just wants to hang out with this pretty blonde girl. He puts he puts on a deep voice, so he's more like Peter Gallagher. But I have a problem. All right. Their posters are for Mandelo Ferrero, 
1984. Yes. So, Aaron... Give me the math. Top Gun came out in 1986, which is when Kirsten went to prom. So two years earlier, she graduated and went to university. (laughs) Also, in 1984, Kirsten would have been 17 because she was born in 1967 because in 2007, she turns 40. Now, this does clarify us clarify for us sandy is definitely older than kirsten yes because he was already there yeah Yeah. so i'm cool with that i guess i'm cool with her getting unexpectedly pregnant so kirsten kirsten cohen has gotten accidentally pregnant twice in her life thrice (laughs) thrice every time she's been pregnant it's been a mistake well i mean the the one time they tried it didn't work (laughs) she has a witch's curse on her (laughs) apparently um here is here's my way aaron to hopefully help maybe uh, try to soften this blow. Then maybe this will help your brain wrap around what this is. She lied to Summer. She didn't remember she, why she... No, she had a really bad perm, and when Summer was like, oh, it's a bad perm, Kirsten just goes, yeah, Top Gun just came out. So I was doing that. I did it on my own, want to have a perm. <sighs> and Kirsten was so smart that she skipped a grade, so she graduated university a little bit early, or graduated high school a little bit early. I think my thing still works, just assuming Summer doesn't know when Top Gun was released. No, 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 no. This fixes everything. <laughs> okay. Jimmy Cooper is actually a year older than her because Kirsten skipped a grade, graduated high school early. Okay. That means that Kirsten actually graduated university before she was 21, which means that she was married and graduated when she got pregnant with Seth. Which all fits with what we know <laughs> of Kirsten. And if Jimmy is actually a year older, yep. then it's l- the whole Julie thing kind of fits in better, too. Okay. No, sure. <laughs> we, R- we, retcon. We did. If, if, the, we, if the OC can retcon their own storylines, I can, too. Yep. Man, if maybe they cut out that whole sequence where Taylor explains in great detail why she knows Summer's doing her poem that day, we could have also had Kirsten be like, now let me explain. <laughs> so I met, I met you in 1984. Now, of course, before that, I had <laughs> I had skipped a year in school. And then when Summer asked me about the perm, I got so awkward, not saying I wanted to come up with a perm by myself. I just said Top Gun. Summer doesn't know when Top Gun was released. Summer Summer's a child. Summer doesn't know anything. Now, this is very cute. Sandy explains that, like, he was just so excited and so committed to being with Kirsten because he believes in feelings. Feelings are why he campaigned for Mandelo Ferreira, even though he knew they would lose. And then Kirsten found the pin that Sandy gave her in the flashback in, like, the attic or whatever. Yeah. And she gives it to him for Valentine's Day. Oh, and we cannot say this place is an attic. (laughs) (laughs) No, it definitely is not. We've already done all the time. We can't do the geography of this house. (laughs) She just found it in her drawer. (laughs) Meanwhile, Seth apologizes to Summer for being obsessed with mythology. He tells Summer that she's better than he ever imagined, and they've been dating for 950 days because he counts the Zach time. (laughs) Because, come on. And she's amazing, and she's like, "I am amazing." But I found out what George is. Yes, so it that was she gets if she gets hired, she'll travel across the country and talk to college students, which means she'll need to defer Brown another year. And then she's then the scene gets weird, <laughs> and I don't know what the do you know what the conclusion is? Because I don't know what the conclusion is. No, because she says, "I love you, but I also love George. You're both my fates." Yeah, well, but I don't have to pick one over the other. Yeah. But we can't date while I'm traveling the country. This is oh, so you're gonna have to decide between me and George. And, and she, she says, goes, no. "No, I don't." 
and then the scene ends. No further information. <laughs> Which I'm just going to say, I wish more storylines in this series, in this series, and it was just be like, well, you're going to have to do one of these things. Where it just goes, no, I don't, and then, and then cut, cut, hard cut to the credits. And then in the next episode, we're just in a new status quo. <laughs> yeah, just things have happened outside of it. <laughs> Like, well, <laughs> yeah, we don't know what Summer picked because she said she doesn't have to pick one or the other. I don't have to. I don't have to. Cut and done. Storyline done. Series done. No further information. I don't have to decide. So, oh. Julie is riding in the car. She's very sad. Yeah. And then Julie Cooper is a garbage human who makes her? Maybe she doesn't make her. Maybe Caitlyn chooses I've, to do this. I, I would like to believe. I because because of what happens in the scene, I do believe Caitlyn decided to do this. But it's it is still trash that Julie doesn't also do it. So Caitlyn breaks up with Bullet for her mother. Yeah, and Caitlyn Caitlyn says, "So you you won't be my stepdad, but maybe you can be my friend." Now, once again, Bullet. Who's wearing a tuxedo and has, once again, another chance to be an absolute trash person. He walks away from his private jet. The gift that yeah. he was giving to Julie yeah. is that he will take her anywhere in the world, anywhere she wants to go mm-hmm. on his private jet for Valentine's Day. And, like, the 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 face this act this actor is actually really good actor. Like, I thought he could just do one note thing. But the gamut of emotions he goes through when Caitlin says, you won't be my stepdad, but will you be my friend? Like, the, the things that go through his face... And then he walks away from his private jet and he slings his arm around Caitlyn. He quotes Casablanca saying this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And they're just going to go play ping pong. And it's absolute trash that this scene has to go into what we're about to see. So Julie could not get out of the limo, could not break up with a grown man who she is dating on her own. She rides that limo back. To the hot dog place. Now, at the hot dog place, Taylor and Ryan are making the best of Valentine's Day and having yeah. soft serve, and Frank is there, too. And Frank's pretty happy that he gets to spend he gets to spend time with his son over ice cream, which is what he wanted. And But it's not what he wanted, because the limo comes back, and it's Julie. Yeah. She arrived again. We get I For some reason, I hate this shot of Taylor standing by the hot dog stand with her arms crossed, like, smiling. Like, I got these two people together. I'm like, you don't even know Bullet. Yeah, those are the wrong people, Taylor. You, you don't know how sweet he is. He is friends with a 15-year-old girl who ta- needs a dad. Taylor, you decided this much like the way Julie did because Frank was in front of you. You decided that love was was better than the other one. Taylor is young enough yeah. that she could get caught up in the romanticism of, like, rich guy versus poor guy. Yeah. And not really knowing. Well, I mean, that's why I'm wondering like, if, like. Did you see her getting carried away by the Romeo and Juliet of it all? Well, no, I think it makes very a whole lot of sense for Taylor. But the show is very much agreeing. The show. The show agrees with Taylor. Yeah, the show's like, oh, no, Ta- Taylor, you did, you did good, you weird Disney princess. <laughs> and um, we'll just tell you. Though Julie and Frank are now an item, I guess. Yeah. The show didn't do good. The one good thing the show does is it lets Ryan and Taylor run away together in that limo because they have the limo for two hours. And yeah. I think they're just going to drive around. Yeah. You know, hang out on the beach, maybe do whatever. I I can't get over the fact that, like, 
So the reason that they did the whole Frank and like, oh, Frank and Julie, they're together. They belong together because they're from the same background. And I'm like, that is against the entire thesis you have done for the rest of the season. The, re- the entire rest of the season is, hey, two people can be so different and still find love. That's the whole point of Kirsten and Sandy. That's when we point. see the Kirsten and Sandy flashback, she's a Republican. That's the whole point of this show. That is the point of why, of Ryan and Marissa. Every relationship in the show is about people who are... No, I'm just saying that literally in this episode, yes, in this episode they made yes. a different point. Yes. Um, but, like, to, like, ha- to have this be the thing... And you, you know what? Maybe, maybe in the... In three these last three episodes, you, they're really going to pull that rug out and try and be like, ha, you were wrong. Frank actually is a trash person. And I mean, okay, I know in earlier episodes in the season, I did say, I was like, I can't believe they're trying to make us root for Bullet. Um, Like in a TV show made now, mm-hmm. I think they would still try to make us root for Bullet. Well, we would root for Bullet because they yeah. did such a good job, but they wouldn't have him say quite the things he said early yeah, on. Yeah, we, we, we mentioned it in the in the episode where he was being very, very bigoted. The idea is, like, at that time, him saying those things were a little bit more pared down with the idea. And he doesn't speak from a place of hate. He speaks from a place of ignorance. Well, and not only that, he speaks from a place of, I am a businessman, and this is how I speak to the guys in my in my boardroom. And notably... He does not speak that way anymore. And he does not speak that way ever to Caitlin. Yeah. He, he, he we, they're, they, they're showing an amazing amount of growth to a character who could just be a one note thing. Whereas, as we've discussed numerous times in this episode of MOA, Frank has been given no growth on or off camera. And like, Bullet being mildly bigoted is not the same as Frank abusing and beating up his children and his wife. Yeah, for decades. <laughs> yeah. Like, we know that Frank was in jail for however long before Ryan stole that car. Well, I mean, even just thinking, thinking of this as, like, writing, let's say Frank did come back and was changed. How lame! So, you have a character who one character's entire background is based around this person is um, abusive and terrible and this and all these things, and then they just pop back in one day, like, actually, I'm fine now, I'm good. It kind of discredits Ryan. Well, and just, it discredits the struggle that we saw Trey go through trying mm-hmm. to become a better person. Yeah. And the struggle we saw Don go through trying to be, like, both because, Trey and Don had to fight yeah. to become... Because they were breaking from a cycle. And, yes, you could put it like, oh, but he's also breaking from a cycle, but they, it's weird to say, they're giving it to him too easy, I guess, might be the... And, like, there's also the thing that the show has done where, like, we saw him do... Yeah. Not atrocious things, but we saw him... We saw a lot of flashes of old Frank in the first two episodes he was in. Well, his... And no one thinks about those things anymore. No one talks about those things, whereas people talk he... about stuff that Trey did for... Seasons. Oh yeah, Frank just says, oh, "I'm sorry about the cancer thing." <laughs> to move off of that, like the the first thing, like Frank's initial response, even before the cancer thing, was, "I need, like, I need to be duplicitous." Yeah, like he did. Like he is not being shown as a very ideal person, and as we mentioned here, his entire liking of Julie seems to be based on oh. We're from the same place. You and you and I are alike in many ways. And what I will say is, like, both Trey and Don never really lied 
to Ryan. They told him a lot of uncomfortable truths until Trey, like, started falling back into his really bad habits. Mm. But, like, when Trey came in, it was just kind of like, well, I don't, I'll be fine. I have, and, like, Dawn, Dawn never lied to Ryan. Yeah. It's, it's, she was just honest about her flaws, whereas Frank is just lie after lie after lie. And you know what? Julie sucks. I don't really like Julie, so I don't know why I can't. Well, no, because the show wants us to be like, Frank and Julie, what a love story. Oh, look, one of the famous couples of of the world is Frank and Julie, but it's done poorly. It's against what the, the reason they're together is against the thesis of the show. Like, it's hard to be like, how should this character end in the show? But Bullet's not a bad... Like, even though, like, you could be like, oh, well, Julie began as a money person. Obviously, she has to marry someone who's poor at the end. Like, no, no. what Julie needs to do is be alone. Yeah, Julie, yeah, Julie should either... Julie, if it comes down to it, should marry no one. And Bullet should adopt Caitlyn and take her under his wing so they can bl- build a global empire and, I don't know, steal the moon. Oh my God, I can't imagine Frank being a father to Caitlyn. Yeah. Yeah. Frank's not even a father to his own children, whereas Bullet, to be fair, is a father to all seven of his children or whatever. <laughs> he keeps trying to give Spencer jobs. <laughs> yeah, he does. Oh, man. It's, it was not a good episode. It was not a good episode. It No wins. No fun. The flashbacks could have been so much more... The, there is one good part of this of this episode, and that's when we cut back from the flashback and Ryan's washing the table, just being like, "You flashbacked for too long, dude. <laughs> I'm at work now. <laughs> I'm at work now. Leave." <laughs> there are a couple of like meta jokes that are pretty funny. Yeah. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic's flashback was too long? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we talked about so many of them. Can I just say Kirsten and Sandy's entire storyline? You can say the entire storyline if I can say one specific thing from their storyline. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What's your one specific thing? My My specific thing is that they inserted the abortion into it. It could have not been an abortion. Like, couldn't it have just been, like... She a... was thinking back on her previous relationships. And then she was thinking, like, oh, man, Sandy was so good. Because well, the thing is, and I know yours is just the entire thing, so I guess we're kind of talking about The entire thing had no point. Yeah. The, like, because... I'm not, I'm not squeamish, squeamish, like, oh, they're talking about no, abortion. But it was, it was a weird storyline to do with a couple that already <laughs> has, has a, a child. child. Like, it's weirdly for gay, like, oh, we had Seth, but I didn't think about, like, maybe she did think about it during Seth, but it's a little weird thing. And, like, to be fair, I've not had a child, so I don't know what and, thoughts go through your mind when you're pregnant. Well, and the way that they tried to play it off was... But when we couldn't have that second child, I thought it maybe was some sort of comic retribution. So Which I guess, is to- yeah, totally a thing that yeah. could go through your mind. Um, but now that we are having a second child, now I'm, I'm thinking, thinking about, about the abortion. Not that I got not. I I just and think, so I just, you- it could it could have very easily just been her. Be, you know when she's pregnant, and it could have even been that. Oh my god, they didn't need this at all because Summer already prompted in her. Summer yeah. says, I Asked want her. Yeah. And so she could have opened up the box, seen the photos of her and Jimmy, and now she's thinking about her and Jimmy and she's being off about it. And she. And wouldn't it be more interesting if the reason she broke up with Jimmy was actually because she realized she didn't want Newport? 
Yeah, like, like isn't that more interesting for Kirsten's overall character? Then I'm having a kid, and I don't think you. Well, I think the idea is that she was going to have a baby, and that just cemented further. That she didn't in, want further this. in the like the, like that she's scared of the plan. And I'm not judging her. Like she made she made the right choice for herself, and she yeah. made the choice she could live with. And she, she yeah. everything that Kirsten did was right for Kirsten. Yeah. It's just a weird, and it's a weird thing it's, to do in the fourth last episode of a TV yeah, show. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, this isn't going to come up again. No, it's, it's not. A thing. We're it's we're not going to see the fallout of her having an abortion twenty years <laughs> later, twenty years ago. Like, that's not. It's just it's it's just a weird. It's just it's dramatic. You know, it's like this is something that Josh Schwartz had in his back pocket, and when the show was ending, he was like, "Oh, time to, time, the, the, time to let it free, release the kraken, time to bring in the abortion." There we go. I think I did everything I needed to do in this show. We okay. have three more episodes, and is it going to be Bullet and Frank? Oh, I, I, mm, yeah, because Ryan doesn't have a story. Like Ryan, Ryan, the main character of this TV show. His storyline is done. He's going to date Taylor and I guess maybe become an architect. Well, I mean, I guess unless if they're doing that, it's Ryan. I, I, maybe that's their their ideas. They want to be like, oh, the final thing is it's Ryan and Frank Ugh, like bleh. doing the thing. And here's the, here's the, what, I, what I'm going to say. The reason that I keep saying that I think it should end with Frank not really changing is because Ryan's entire existence has been seeing the people like around him do this fallout. And I think it's a strong image to see, like, hey, sometimes your past still remains terrible, and you grow from it. You don't have to worry about other people are growing. Like, Ryan's Ryan's future should not be dependent on if his dad gets better. True. Like, as nice as it would be that, obviously, Frank would get better, we just don't have the time for him to be, like, the big... Like, I think you said before we start recording, he's the last villain standing. Yeah. And we what? don't have time to redeem redeem him. Are we going to bring back Bolivar, Bolivar Trask, and he's going to redeem himself now? <laughs> That's going to be the final episode. Ryan's going to have a new colleague at his architecture firm, and it's Bolivar. I, I read this, and I don't mean to dwell on the end of this episode that long, but I, I remember hearing this thing talking about how a lot of Western um, media is really reliant um, on the idea of forgiveness being a thing you have to do. And if you don't forgive someone... You're the bad. You are the bad person. And it, it comes from, it comes from like, our, uh, our, uh, the, the dominant religion of our region and all mm, things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But think of all the media you watch and how the idea of being like, you have to forgive someone. You have to get past the wrongs that have been enacted upon you. And you know what? You don't. You, yeah, you don't. You have to learn how to live with your yes. lack of forgiveness. Yeah, you... you you don't have to you, – you, you should not dwell on something and let it consume you because it will. But that does not mean that the only way to not dwell on something and have it be your core is to you have to forgive that person. You don't. Because forgiving someone and living with something are two different things. Absolutely. And I – that's why I always appreciate – and I, th- I think this is probably before like OC is too early to be doing some – I think that – Mm-hmm. Rough stuff because their stuff has always been sort of reliant on forgiving. Except for Dawn, actually had a very cool, like, growth throughout the series. And Dawn, you know, Ryan didn't forgive Dawn for what 
they did for even, what she did even, he just accepted like this is our relationship now yeah. we can move forward and have this yeah and and even then like like he he sees the dawns now you know with with uh, with the great guy and he still felt the the idea of protection over her while also being very like realizing that she kind of failed him in mm-hmm. many ways and it still feels like even in the end like she like the final thing we saw with her was the was the graduation even that was still a, a tense thing, but it was this good kind of tension. Oh, that was so sad. He bought, she bought him the jeep, and then it got wrecked right away. Although mm-hmm. now he has a jeep, it might be the same jeep. Or, I, or Sandy was like, "I'm gonna have a new jeep." Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Yes, either they got it probably did get fixed, exploded. <laughs> it did explode. I was gonna be like, I think Sandy probably paid to fix the jeep that Ryan had. Well, I think he probably got him a new jeep that looked exactly the same because that jeep exploded. <laughs> so, the OC, we're torn. We've got feelings. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a note of how good the show is in certain ways that they can make a character like Bullet, who is introduced so, so much like, you're like, oh. Look at that buffoon. That guy. And you're like, God, you. And like, now I love that buffoon. Yeah, because he, because he's played exactly as, as he is. <laughs> he is unapologetic. He is open hearted. And if they didn't want us to like him, they should show us him doing things that we shouldn't like. <laughs> because even when they did show us doing something very, he we didn't like, it very clearly like, oh no, that was a bad thing, and now he's now he doesn't do those now, things anymore, well, or at least it seems like he's trying, and he'll he'll come in every so often, and he'll very much be like, ah, oh, I'm at this, I'm back from Dubai, this guy showed me this uh, <laughs> Persian love song, but he loves that Persian love song, yeah, like. <laughs> He, he still sounds like a guy who's very close to just throwing out, not like a straight-up racial slur, but like one of those ones where you're like, this feels weird. But can't you see him and Caitlyn sitting down? Like, he says something like when they're at the diner and Caitlyn's yeah. like, Bullet, I have to talk to you. Oh, Caitlyn's gonna help Bullet become very woke. In this, the year of our Lord, well, 2007. That's some things. I'm going to make you as culturally sensitive as you should be in this, the year of our Lord, 2007. And maybe in another 13 years. When we're still friends. We can both become even more woke. We will go to a protest and we will learn to educate ourselves. Maybe maybe I'll drop some of my uh, gay bashing stuff. Eventually. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Uh. That went for about as long as I thought it would because of this episode. I know we were we like summarized in very good time, and then we had to keep talking. Oh, it's just there's there's a lot there's a lot there. We but... didn't even repeat ourselves or fight this time. No. All right, Aaron, give us the housekeeping. Um, do the things you know the things the social meds podcast moa podcast moa at Gmail, at Instagram, at Twitter, and please give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. We need to be ready for Riverdale coming back so we can destroy those other Riverdale podcasts. <laughs> yeah, whenever it does come back. January. Is that still the... That was the last I heard. <laughs> Filming is happening now. It is, no, it is happening. They're being very careful. I've seen a lot of shots from sets. They're being very careful. They're being very good. Very impressive. I mean, they they they'll want to be careful because if someone gets test positive on a set, they shut the entire thing down. So it's in their best interest to be careful. They want people to be allowed to work, and people are working. Yeah. See you next week. Can Ryan manage his relationship with his father? What's next for the Cooper women? Will Summer pick Seth or George? No. 
For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? 